2: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
3: This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by legendary former Manchester United defender, Paul Parker. Paul, how are you doing this week?
0: I'm fine, to be perfectly honest, Wayne. I'm just a little bit worried. When I woke up this morning, I suddenly thought it was November and I've slept longer than what I should have done. What, why day. this
3: out two months?
0: Yeah, well, because of, I just like the weather. It's just abysmal. Really. I mean, I don't mean it was it was raining, but it just never we're in August and I'm just look I just the rain was coming down. And I just thought to myself, Christ, this the season's moved on. Hasn't, I think to myself, it hasn't started yet. But I thought myself, no, we're in November, this weather. It's madness. Yeah.
3: Well, when you're in Manchester, you know what it's like. Rain every day, so it could be every season. <laughs> I suppose it was a little bit worse than usual over the weekend. It was pretty bad. Um, oh. But we went to – um I took the nephew to Old Trafford. for he's, he's been outside and he's seen the statues before, but we took him into the museum for the first time and uh, saw the pitch. I'll send you um, – <laughs> it's not one for the podcast, really, but I'll send you the video of it. He went to, when he saw the pitch for the first time, he was like, whoa. Was like, yeah, well, just wait until you watch again.
0: game. Yeah, what was the crowd that day? Um,
3: on um, Saturday, so we didn't, obviously, we didn't go to the game. We watched it. We just went for the tour yesterday. But for the game, they had the entire um, South Stand shut off. And so I think it was like 20,000 under capacity. It was a good crowd, nonetheless, mm. for the the Everton game um, yeah we'll talk about that in a moment so if you're watching on YouTube please like and subscribe I uh, really appreciate that and uh, feel free to get your questions in as well um, I'm, I'm working out how to get them asked as we go along um, <laughs> sometimes get to a little bit later than I should do but I, I, I get it in the end um podcast is brought to you in association with classic football shirts um you can get a 10 discount with them using TLTD 10 at the checkout um a little bit of housekeeping check out the recent show re- videos on this channel um there's a channel um a show on friday i should say with phil marsh and keen franey they talked about keen uh for phil's days at united the car crash they suffered in 2004 i think it was and his recovery and what the club did to help him and everything like that really incredible story for for phil and uh, before i begin today's also publication day for my book my book the twins book Raphael and fabio um Sunshine Kids. So today, um, there's so many strikes on the website um, where Fabio talks about the 2011 Champions League final. Rafa talks about the rivalry with Liverpool, um, which obviously is always heated, going back to days even before Paul played. Had a special bitterness when the clubs were sort of, when United were trying to overtake the league titles when when Raphael was playing. Uh, It's it's funny, Paul. Talk about this from the start then, really. Not haha funny, but... Um, how some players have certain games that stick with them. Obviously, Fabio, with the 2011 Champions League final, he's going to think like that because it's the biggest game of his career and he's thinking about, you know, how we lost it, how it could have gone better. Um, talk to Sammy McElroy quite frequently. He always talks about the League Cup semi-final against Norwich in 1975. Um, so they were in Division 2, but he talks about that as one of the biggest disappointments annoyances of his career. I'm just wondering what, from your time at United, is there any defeats or setbacks that stick with you that perhaps might surprise some people? I mean, Galatasaray seems like it's an obvious choice. The 94 League Cup semi uh, final, sorry, because obviously that would have been the first team to be a domestic treble. Um, Liverpool at the end of your first season, where we came close to winning the title. Is there any defeat or setback in that time at United that sort of sticks out for you that. Um, Perhaps you know might be a surprising choice for some
0: I don't think it'd be that surprising, I always wonder <clears throat> the one that sticks to me really was losing at home at qPR on New Year's Day
3: <clears throat> yeah,
0: that one always sticks, yes, one because it was a club I just left, and I think just just the whole day and things we've done things differently during the day leading up to the game um there was changes made I think. The boss tried to utilize the squad as as he could. <laughs> 14, 50, 15 players. It it is not kind of the manner in which it is today, but he's tried to do that and what it done really was we, we lost a lot of strength, a lot of um, pace. And I think in the end of the day, if you was Queens Park Rangers and you I mean you just suddenly saw the saw the team sheet and you fancied your chances, and they grabbed it, and they grabbed it, grabbed it really, really well, to be perfectly honest. And it still talked about even when I was there a few weeks back. There you know, when um, United played them and got beat at um, Loftus Road. You know, yeah. when it got to that, when the scoreline was four-one, yeah, you could, you could hear it, some. They, they started singing it. Some of them started singing it there. So um, and then I could for some reason I just felt that everyone was looking at me. I just felt like every head had turned round and looked at me. And just you know,
3: flashbacks.
0: Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it's just it's just one of them ones, and you just you could have made. There's one that could have made a difference if we hadn't got beaten. Could we have gone on and won that last football league? You know.
3: Yeah, yeah. Few people missing um, a few angle that day as well. Seems New Year's Day.
0: Mm. There you are. That's just one of those ones. I wish I could have thought something happier at the moment in time. I'm blaming you for that. You dragged me to it, Wayne.
3: Well, no, because it's not a happy thing, is it? Do you know, it's, it's like i saying, it's going to be one of those, um, it would be a setback, so it's going to be un- unnaturally um sad. Yeah, I always, I, I, honestly, I would have thought you would have gone with the League Cups final in 94, you know, because we were so close getting The treble, the domestic treble.
0: Yeah, I mean that one. That one does come into it. Could have been something. It would have been. A, it would have been a first as well yeah. for anyone to do it. And, but not really because I think we reaped the benefit of that because straight after that game, we played Liverpool at home. We won one nil. I remember right. Yeah. Paul Ince scored the winning goal. Could it have been a different story if we would have won that League Cup going into that game? Yeah, you know, we, we didn't really. Was you know we. We'd done all the usual bits after that game, getting beat, come back miserable on the train, and then bang, we were straight into a big game, which made a, which I think made a big difference. Get it, you know, the old adage is get it out of the system. We had to because we were playing Liverpool at home. Yeah. and To lose a League Cup final and then lost, if we had lost to Liverpool at home, the papers and media would have had a field day. They'd have been calling everything out. And but the performance we gave as well, I mean the scoreline in, in the way flattered Liverpool because it was definitely we should have won by more, but we yeah, just yeah. it's just a poor performance on the day. The grass was really longer and must at Wembley as well, and everything that Villa hit went in, you know. Yeah, and even some of us hit Andre because he went inside as well.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um... We'll talk about the '94 season, the conclusion, a little bit later because of some things I didn't ask you about last week. Um, before we get to United, um, the big news of the week has been a lot of transfer activity. Um, Jack Grealish going to Man City for 100 million pound, a player that we've talked about before, possibly going to United. Um, and Lionel Messi looks like he is still not 100% convinced he's going to properly leave Barcelona, but it looks 95% certain like he will go to Paris. Um, let's start with Messi. I mean, I, like I say, it's a United show, but it's the two big pieces of news, really. Um, Messi, I don't know, it's not really a perfect analogy, but it's like when your mum, if your mum remortgaged the house because you wanted 500 pound pocket money instead of five pound, eventually she has to sell the house and you have to move out. And you can, at that point, you could probably afford to buy the house yourself. but you go, no, I'll just go to Paris instead. And that's the way that I look at it when I see Messi crying. I'm not saying that he should invest all his money into Barcelona, but I think, well, you've been a massive reason of why they're in this massive financial hole, and now you're upset that... I, I get the complications about extending the contracts, and, um, you know, yeah, you shouldn't say that you should play it for free. Nobody's saying that, I don't think, seriously, but I think it's a bit hypocritical considering the massive sums that he was on. I mean, I'm not like digging out players for the wages that they earn because Barcelona chose to give him that money. But you know, the old song at Nance about how upset he was. You know, he's earning astronomical sums compared to even what we would consider astronomical for the regular footballer. Um, his, his sums are extraordinary. And don't get me wrong, one of the two best players in the world. He, he deserves to be paid as one of the two best players. I just think when you look at it, in, in this kind of way, well, you're kind of responsible for this mess. Not I'm not saying is responsible, but yeah. the m- massive financial problem is is sort of implicated in it in in a small way as a player. Um, how, how do you see what's going on at Barcelona? Because it's it's crazy, really, to think that it's ended up like this. I, I thought at some point they're just going to change the rules, like you know, Spanish football has a tendency to do. But um, it looks very much like he's going to be off.
0: The thing about it, though, I don't know if the actual Spanish league can lose Messi in this way. <clears throat> we know that at some point he's going to have to retire, but for them to lose a player of that caliber in this manner, I don't know if, that, if the league can seriously allow that. But then as well, I look at the league, and what, what you just said is hundred percent right. But you can't blame the player. People want to give him things. You're going to grab it. I look yeah. at it. What, what, you got you got to look at Barcelona in saying could they have done, could they have maybe been a bit different about it, knowing how much he loved the club, did they have to keep doing that, and you question the league all of a sudden now they're saying they're doing it now, in this manner you know, I don't know what, what the reason is behind that, why have they suddenly now not allowing this after the, the years and years have gone on with all the deals all the all the things that we've rumours we've heard about Real Madrid the way they've gone about it, the way that in certain ways, they've been government-funded to bring mm-hmm. in players. You know, they still talk about now Di Stefano was a Barcelona player, but the, the government come in and stepped in and took him to Real Madrid. All those little things you hear about, and it is it is underhand, and somewhere along that, you just i you, I don't believe it's going to happen. I just I just don't see somebody who's been involved with a club for so long, twenty odd years, twenty one years. He's suddenly just going to, you know, he's done what he's done. He's going to go and play maybe for PSG. I don't see how he can leave Barcelona and go and do that and go to PSG, in my opinion. If he's going to leave Barcelona, I would say, yep, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll find, even I would find it difficult to relate to him not being a Barcelona player. But I still can't believe that Messi still would not want to give himself a bigger challenge and that is to go and play in English football rather than go and play for PSG. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the bit for me. And for me, if he was going to go to France, and I always say, if you're going to give yourself a challenge in France, go and play for Marseille. That's, that's the team to go and play for with the hardcore fans. They're supported all over the country. You know, Their fan base you know, it steps outside of France. But PSG doesn't really. To
3: be perfectly honest, that's that's the challenge. PSG is money, so it's, it's a strange one. That because I always I agree with that sort of philosophy. of footballer's career is short, and I don't blame, like you said, Barcelona are going to offer him the money. He's going to take it. and Maybe that's the, that's the case with Paris. Paris are going to offer him the money. He's going to take it. But I do think, like, or, or maybe even things that Paris with him and Neymar and, and Mbappe have got the best chance of winning the. Champions League if that's the the offer that's on the table for him because it looks like City aren't because they've given the number 10 shirt and thrown all that money at Grealish and they're still under this sort of FFP cloud. Talk to me what you think about Grealish because that's something that does implicate United a little bit more Um, I I think there's no doubt in his talent but I don't think he's any better than Bernardo Silva, I don't think he's much better than Sterling, he's certainly not better than De Bruyne and I there's a part of me and then um, this might be famous last words and come back to get me but there's a little part of me that thinks this could well be like when remember when chelsea signed Shevchenko and they already had drogba and I think hmm, do you really need him could that money go elsewhere not that I'm complaining because that's a problem for for city but um obviously a great player um not exactly you call a pep player pep might improve him but a strange one, and it seems to happen so fast, Paul. Um, well, what do you make of that transfer?
0: Yeah, I'd be interested where he's going to play. him, First and foremost, um, they're talking about Bernardo Silva going. I can, I can relate to that because he didn't get a regular run. Mares was the more prominent player in that position, but Mares, you know, does score goals, does make goals. He can do the unexpected. Jack Grealish, I look at him, I think myself, right, as you said, he's not really a Pep player. What's Pep gonna do is Pep gonna fine-tune the ability he's got at this moment in time. Say he wants him to get in areas in the final third and runner players. But Pep will maybe say to him, because <laughs> he's worked with Messi, he'll say to I think he's gotta be saying to him, when someone touches you, stay on your feet, have an end product. You know, yeah. we're not just about getting free kicks all the time. We want you to go and assist and score goals as well. So you can do that by staying on your feet. He has to change that way, in my opinion. Pep is going to want him for that. It's not, you know, Man City ain't a team that suddenly get a player just to get free kicks to lump big balls in a box. Yeah.
3: That's
0: not what they're about. And even when I think about Messi was the only real dribbler that they had, but everyone knows that Messi would take two kicks to the knee. He'll take a knife in the belly, but he'll still try and keep go on and score a goal. So I know that he's got you'll have to change his um his ethos, I think, a little bit, Jack Grealish, to become a, a Pep Guardiola player. So it'll be an interesting one. It's one that I think everyone will be talking about. How is Pep gonna fit him in? Why did Pep go and sign him when he's already got a player in Mares? in that position already? Or is he looking at the other side? And if you look at the other side and you're talking about maybe Foden and Sterling. Yeah. But then I'll read today, and everyone's talking about Sterling being used as a make weight to go to Spurs. Seems like now, Sterling's going to talk about a new contract. So where is, where is he going to play? They haven't got a centre-forward at the moment in time. Sterling is not centre-forward. Sterling yeah, not is... Funny,
1: kind of.
0: Sterling's just about doing a job on, on the left-hand side, being predominantly right-footed, you know. Yeah. You know I really don't know, but Pep Guardiola's proven himself. He's, you know, He knows how to improve players better than any other manager in, in the Premier League. So but at this moment in time, I think everyone's looking for Jack Grealish to maybe have a little bit of a, a wobbly moment because he's going to have his game altered, his mindset altered in the way he plays to the way that Pep wants it to play for his team. So Jack Grealish might take a bit of time to, you know, he's a work in progress, as they say, and, and he just might improve as a better player by working under Pep.
3: Yeah, I don't doubt that. I just think, is it, is it going to make £100 million of difference to this City team who are already good? And I just look at it and I think, as a United fan, as one of the teams that we want to close the gap, I'm not going to say I'm relieved about the signing, but um, if they went, you know, like, obviously if they signed Kane, I think, oh, they're going to get a few goals. But even then, Kane over Aguero, I mean, five or ten goals difference, it's not really... Do you, you see where I'm coming from with that? It's not <clears throat> It's not the um, statement signing that the money would... Dictate that it is. Do you, you see mm-hmm. if you understand what I'm, I'm saying? Like, I look at Chelsea buying Lukaku and I think, oh, oh, well, I wasn't impressed with Lukaku, but maybe I can sort of see what he would bring to that Chelsea side. Um, but but with Kane and and with Grealish, I look at the players that City already had and I just think, well, it is a little bit like City well, well, Bo- I'm pretty sure it was Guardiola who replaced Etu with Ibrahimovic, and Eto was much better for the Barcelona style and. Ibrahimovic just didn't sue it at all. I'm not, I'm not saying that Grealish or Kane would be like that because I think they 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 fit the style of what City do um, a lot more than what Ibrahimovic did. But I still don't look at it. I, I think I think what I'm trying to say is that there's not a quarter of a billion improvement there that makes me worried that United are going to be left in the dust because I look at United what United have done. And I think well they've still only got to play. 18 other teams, apart from us, they can only collect the same amount of points. They've been hitting record numbers. The maximum amount of points you can get is 114. You you know where I'm going with this. It's like there's only so much you can do. They're obviously going to drop points at some point unless they're the best ever team and and win everything. But I don't think it changes that much for United. Honestly, I really don't. Um, And I might be someone who's... A little bit optimistic with that, but I just look at it and I think, well, it's never about what City do. United's problem is accumulating as many points as they need to, like Liverpool did. Like I've been saying this for the last couple of years, and it's quite unpopular. Kind of follow what Liverpool have done because that's the best way to do it. Don't don't worry about what, like the Chelsea team of 15 years ago. You don't really worry about what they're doing. Presume they're going to get 90 points or more. And then you build on a team to do that yourself, and then see see where it ends up. Because I mean, that's all you can do, really. You can't match what City are doing. You can't go out and spend. We obviously couldn't do that. What they're doing. I'm not complaining, by the way. I'm just saying it's different. It's horses for courses. And is, am I being too optimistic with that? Are you looking at the City team and thinking, well, with Grealish and with Kane, they just there's no point turning up this season.
0: Um. Yeah, I get that, yeah. I mean, but Harry Kane is not an Aguero. Aguero suited City. In the manner that City played. the goals he scored, Kane doesn't score those goals. Yeah. And the kind of goals that Kane would go and score on a regular basis like Aguero did. So for him, for Kane to play, and the way Kane has been playing of late, they'll end up with just a team of midfield players because Kane has not wanted to go and play on the back line, on you know, on the front foot looking to get in behind over the shoulder of people. He hasn't gone that way. So for them to go out and spend a 100 million plus, by the way, because there's no way that Lee um, Daniel Levy's going to say, oh, 100 million's fine, because he's going to look at Grealish and say, you signed Grealish from Aston Villa for a 100 million. He's not a regular goal scorer. Tell me how you can relate to him in costings to Harry Kane, who keeps, you know... He was finishing top or second in scoring goals for God knows how many seasons. Score, you know, he's almost gonna be maybe become England's record goal scorer. It's gonna cost you a hundred and forty minimum.
3: Yeah, so especially in the game of the last two or three years who dropped so deep.
0: Yeah, he's dropping far too deep. He's getting a lot of injuries as well. You have to they are not you can't you just they're not gonna spend that money, City. I cannot see them doing it. It'd be more beneficial for them to to go for Messi and bring Messi in. Yeah. Look what look what PSG are paying. Plus, you know he knows Pep. He might drop a little bit to go and play for him. At, you know his last whole hurrah was someone who he respects. You think if you sign him as a Man City sign him as a Man City player, what you can get in return back on his wages because of the amount of shirts and all that go with him would be absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know. And even for City, they might even sell out properly then at home rather, rather than putting tickets up on general sale already.
3: <laughs> I don't know. Um, pigs might fly. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know with that one, do you know? I always I did the Messi and Guardiola thing. You would presume that they know each other inside out, so you know that that dialogue's been happening. Um, so whatever. They, Maybe it's a, a sort of cautiousness from seeing, knowing that, you know, they're being investigated, well, uh, investigated for, for want of a better word. People are looking at what they're doing and they're very sort of sceptical about it. Um, so maybe adding Messi on top of that would be just too much uh, for even them to sort of deal with. Whereas Paris for whatever reason, I um, think that they can add him on top of Neymar and Mbappe who, who when they arrived, cost 400 million between them, which is just well, what can you do? Um, maybe, maybe they'll win the French league this time <laughs> Um So yeah, let's talk about United. Then, Being twenty minutes in, we haven't really done that. United um, played Everton last preseason game. Um, I know you were out and about on Saturday, so you might not have seen mm-hmm. much of it. But um, Greenwood getting in their goals, which is always good. Um, he needs to keep that confidence going, especially since he's come back in. Maguire with a thumping header, which we haven't seen enough of, and hopefully we might see a little bit more life. Varane's taking up other sort of spaces in the box. And Fernandez's free kick was sensational. And Dalot's header was pretty good as well. So all in all, a good day's work. I think the, the major thing for me, not so much the things that... We, we know Fernandez really needed rest, so hopefully he'll benefit from that. I think for me, it's having Greenwood in a confident vein of form, really, because he's going to be used. We don't quite know where he's going to put him in that front line yet. So it's really important that Greenwood, you said he looked lively at QPR and people were talking about him, the buzz was about him. And yeah, to get on the score sheet, that's I think, probably taking into account we haven't seen the new signings yet, apart from Tommy, and we already knew about um, the major plus from pre-season is going to be Greenwood, right?
0: Oh yeah, without a doubt. But for me, I'm waiting to see, <clears throat> which I think is something that should be sorted out. First and foremost, and actually said, quoted, make it factual. Is who's going to be number one?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: That, that, that can't be left open, Wayne, because that's just going to cause too much, too much stories, too too many opinions. You need to put that to bed, and then everyone else then will wait and see the re- you know wait and see the repercussions of it. What happens then to to the goalkeepers? But he needs to do that. He can't just play and just get ifs and buts and for people to make their own mind up and then start making up their own agenda you know in that sense you're just want him, Oli to be strong and come out and say that as any good manager would do to be in that position it doesn't matter if you've spoken to him privately if he has spoken to him privately and already told him I think he has to pull it out there to everyone and let everyone know that so he's not going to be hit with questions all the time when a goalkeeper makes a mistake
3: Difficult one for him the, I mean, that I think Henderson's still unwell, so De Gea's going to start yeah. on Saturday. Do you think that that muddies the waters somewhat? Because, I mean, let's say that he's picked Henderson. Having that conversation two or three games into the season is going to be quite difficult. You know, if, if De Gea starts well and doesn't make any mistakes, or even if he does make a mistake, you know what I mean? Because all he's such a patient guy. We know that we've seen that with like Lindelof, no matter what he did last season, he was Teflon, he was back in the side the next week. Um, and he's, he's kind of like, that. I know not, not with the goalkeepers, but if he has made a decision on Enderson to be number one, do you think that this is a sort of muddy in the waters kind of thing again? Because, because he's going to be in that situation where De Gea could do well, he could do badly, and I don't know. I'm I'm kind of favouring De Gea, but I'm thinking if most people, as I, I presume, think it's time for Henderson, and I can see why. I'm not saying it's an easy decision. Um, it's going to make it a, sort of a bit of a mess. He's, he's by and large handled it quite well so far, but because of Henderson being unwell, it complicates it a little bit.
0: It doesn't, certainly. But if he has made Henderson his number one and he gets himself back, then he's going to have to bring him straight back in. He can't just say, oh, well, De Gea's doing, all, you know, doing well, I don't want to change it, because he's not maybe going to stand for that. And it might cause a little bit of discontent, you know. So, and it's about loyalties, really, and standing by what you say. And And a lot of the players will mostly all know, because it's all, if he has said that, this is all, you know, ifs and buts at the moment. But they, players talk, so then straight away, oh, the manager hasn't stood by what he said. And it's why yeah. every player then would be worried. Of, you know, is he telling me the truth? So you can't have that. Not in today's football, you can't have that because the yeah. players are that, in certain ways, quite mentally fragile. That will, that will go against him as a manager, especially if they hit a little bit of a patch. It, it could fall apart in that sense. That's what happens. So he needs really, if he if he said he's number, then he's going to have to stick by it in that way. It doesn't matter how well David does, he's going to have to stick by what he said because the other players will know and he and can't afford for them to see him as not somebody who stands by his word, regardless of form. Yeah.
3: No, yeah, and and to be fair, if there's one thing we've definitely been consistent on, even against our own opinion, is that um, all his man management and decisions in this kind of vein have usually been spot on. No, I'm not saying that everyone's always right, but for the harmony of the squad and, and the consistency of the squad, he's generally got it right. So um, I, I can back him to make the right decision, whether or not it's the or Anderson, Do you know what I mean? If he, if he makes a decision and, like you said, shows that conviction, um, it can only be a good thing. And hopefully it'll be the right choice as well. Um, Leeds, then, are going to be the opponents on opening day. They've had a bit of a miserable pre-season, but I don't think they'll be that bothered about that. Six games, I think they've had and lost three of them. Um, they only won the first one against Geisler, so it's been a pretty miserable preseason. But they haven't had really any big changes from last season. A couple of uh, players that I don't really know much about have been signed for them. Um they won't be looking at pre-season. They'll be looking at the way that they finished the previous season, which was like one defeat in the last 10 games or something to finish ninth, really strong end the season. It's a complicated thing. It's the second season back in the top flight. A lot of teams are going to be more preparing for their ty- um, for their style of play, but you know they're going to have to be a little bit more cautious than they were at Old Trafford, you would think, especially with the fans there. They're not going to want to see them ship a lot of goals now they're watching them play at Old Trafford. Um but then again, you say that, and Bielsa's fairly rigid with what he does. He, you know, he sticks to what he's going to do. You know, they they might well be open and, and be happy to sort of see United play in front of them again. Um, how would you see this one going? Is it, is, 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 "Do you know what? Considering everything, it's a, a pretty good game to open the season, isn't it?" Oh,
0: it's a it's a really good game for United to start playing. <clears throat> The fans are going to be on a high anyway because they're going to be back in their numbers. And to play Leeds as well, there's no worries about it being a good atmosphere. It's a, it's a, it's a big game for Leeds. You know, it's a bigger game for Leeds than when it in United. Leeds treat this as their big game. This is getting, the first thing they want to talk about, wanted to talk about getting back in the Premier League, was playing Manchester United. And yes. it's all about playing Manchester United at Ellen Road. That's the one. That is the fireworks game, that one. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Something I never thought I'd witnessed. I never knew about the rivalry when I first arrived 30 years ago <clears throat> was when yeah. I signed for United. So this picture just really caught me, shocked me. The hate between them. So, But the United fans, of course, know about it. And this game is still seen as a big one. First game of the season, it's even bigger. United are not. I don't think they're going to be as fortunate to catch them as cold as they did last time, as much as they what they done United in that game, Leeds responded reasonably well. They didn't panic, didn't change their way, as you said, the manager's stubborn, he knows what he wants from his players. And they had a couple of moments in that second half to get themselves back into the game because they played their way and United really didn't didn't really get it right in the second half in certain ways. But they still at the end of the end of the day the game was won the moment they got that two go advantage. Yeah, they haven't made a lot of changes. We know that they lead, they play kind of wide open. They've got you know, they've made a change at left back now, bringing in the lag from Barcelona. He's coming now,
3: yeah. But he's going to be, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, but he's going to be mainly a little bit more attack orientated. As what I saw him at Barca, he's not the most sturdiest of defenders, but he's a good footballer, so it's just one of them ones. Leeds, I mean. I enjoyed watching Leeds play. I have to say that I saw them play a few times down here in London, and they were, they were good to watch. Really good to watch what they try and do, and the the effort, the effort they put into it, and the manager demands that. And there's no backbiting or anything with the players. They they do it. They seem like they enjoy doing it as well. So this is a good game for United to be going into. One that if they can get the right kind of performance with a win as well. Will get people thinking that this could be their season, really, just with the signings. And we don't know if there's going to be any more yet, but it's there at this moment. In time, this is going to be for me. I'm really looking forward to seeing a very again, another open season, but in the right way, because there's going to be fans in the stadium.
3: Yeah, um, you mentioned then the Vran and Sancho, Vran, still not rubber stamped, but you would presume. Even while we're on here, it could be announced because they let Twan go to Villa yesterday on loan, so it looks pretty much like you know they're gonna sign that's going to be announced anytime. And um, there's been problems with the visa and everything like that because of Brexit, and sort of which is a bit strange considering you know they're a football club, and you would have thought that they've got these all ironed out before, before um, being kicked in the season, but they could be. In, in the team for, for Saturday, and, and there's been some sort that they'll be on, on the bench and everything like that. But what do you think? Uh, this You've mentioned the lad from Barcelona playing a left-back. He's going to be making his debut. Let's presume that he does make his debut there. Is it not ideal to sort of throw Sancho in from the start, to throw Veran in, in from the start? Because what you're basically doing is you're saying, you know, run on momentum, you're in front of the fans for the first time, you know, everyone's on the sort of same thing. You can have the adrenaline there of playing in front of the club. You're not going to be asked to play in a couple of days again. You're going to have a few days off. So Mm. it's an ideal occasion to sort of go out there, flex your muscles a little bit, and sort of run on that adrenaline in front of the fans for the first time, rather than bringing them in from the bench.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sure that um, the players, I mean, are going to want to, play in the first, going to want to play, especially at Old Trafford and in themselves, they would know in themselves that Leeds United, it's a big game. They I mean, mostly wouldn't know about the rivalry. Maybe Sancho might do to a point, but it's still Leeds and it's still a big game. I, I don't know so much about Varane because of the games that he played during the Euros or whatever, but I look at Sancho and he played no minutes. He's, he didn't play anything, you know, didn't do anything. He warmed up a lot of times but I don't see there's any reason why he cannot start the game. I'd, i find it, it baffles me what's going on now. It seems like where before, where there was, where you really needed to be fit because you were playing, you were playing to to, to pay a mortgage. Um, that you you'd go, you know, you'd run through fires just on hot coals just to make sure you played in every game. Where well, now they, they get so much money, but they play less football. You know, because they get tired or they're worried about this and worried about that.
3: Um, Sounds like it could be perfect for him, shouldn't it, really? Because yeah. he's had a summer steam fit.
0: Yeah, yeah. he, he should be re- he should be there ready to go and buzzing to go. And the opportunity to run out in a Manchester United shirt in a game like this where he knows that everyone is gonna be interested in it and want, you know, and, and wants to and wants to see this game and I turned down the game to make sure that I could do this game. Because yeah. I knew that it was, you know, it's, it's going to be something to talk about. So I wanted to make sure that I was doing this game in the first game of the season. So I'm sure Sancho's going to want to play in it for his own, his own ego and the, you know, what what happens, everything that goes with this game. It's a game where you want to get him, make your mark, and it's something that people don't forget if you go and do it in the game against Leeds.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier about the fans being back, and yeah, absolutely. Um, is the biggest thing of the game. Actually, you know, the fans are going to be back in the stadium for it. And I do want to give a little shout out to some of the fans who've done a lot of great work behind the scenes. Obviously, the end of season protests last time around instigated a lot of conversations between the club and fans. Um, there are already plans in there to put the rail seating in, you know, for safe standing. So that's going to be trialled, um, which is going to be great to see. Um, hopefully that works out well. And also <laughs> fans um, lobbying on the... Um, you know the fans forums and everything like that there's cheaper beer in the ground now which is i know it's not it doesn't sound like a big thing but it is a big thing for the fans you know um and a lot of people working to do that knowing that they're going to get criticism for being in dialogue with the owners but that's the point of what we're trying to that's the point of this if you can't convince them to sell get dialogue for a better experience for the fans and that's what they're doing Um, And hopefully, you know, maybe an extra beer. Not that you need it for for a game against Leeds, but an extra beer before kickoff. Just thank God it's a 12.45 and not not a five o'clock one to give them more time to get riled up for it. Um, Yeah, looking forward to that. It's a great game to open the season. Um, We were talking, like I said at the start of the podcast, we were talking about 93, 94 last week, and there were some things that I didn't talk about, which I want to pick Paul's brains on. Um, the FA Cup run. We talked about the number of red cards, playing at Blackburn without I losing 2-0. We were 1-0 down and you came off for Chucky And that. Uh, presumably you are already struggling with the injury at that point because we were chasing the result and Fergie looked at that and obviously thought bring Chucky on, try and get the, the goal as soon as he came on. We, sco- we conceded a second, um, but then you missed the game on Monday. You've always talked about this bomb but on the audio pod, so let's get the story for for this one, because we had two games against Oldham. We had the Easter Monday game, and then we had the semi-final on the Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember which one, but you had basically two games against Oldham in a week, and you missed the the league game on Easter Monday, which you were particularly annoyed about because you played every game up until that point. I mean, you look at the stats for that season, every game in the league, I should say, um, obviously rested for a couple of the League Cup games as Fergie was rotating in the the earlier rounds. Um like you said about playing every game, it's one of those badges of honour for for those players, wasn't it? Really, you want to be show that you're durable, show that you can stand up to a challenge and, and sort of complete the league season was like a an achievement in itself.
0: Yeah, I was I was I was saving to be perfectly honest because it was my birthday as well. I'd, um a lot of people came up from London because I had something on they had something on that day as well when I was just so you know, I'm desperate to play. And then when the boss done what he'd done and left me out, I was fuming, absolutely fuming. I don't think I've ever been that way before in that situation because I was all geared up to play. He hadn't said a word to me the day before. I went in as normal, <clears throat> into a, um, Old Trafford, arrived three hours before kickoff because we used to meet there and have something to eat in the grill room, um, in the ground. And then I just got in the dressing room, but he just said that, no, no great reason, um, and I was fuming that I missed it. You know that I missed that that up, that game. It was because we were getting, as you know, we were getting closer and closer to achieving something. So you just don't want to miss games. You want to be there. You want everything that goes with it after it.
3: Especially after losing the big game a couple of days before, like well, you, you're in that mode to sort of put it right as well.
0: Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, it wasn't great. Yeah, the the Met game losing that game and then going into this game and then being left out, it, it, it does make you think a little bit negative about, are oh, you to blame? You know, are oh, you to blame? Everything that's going with it. I was, had me, you know, a little bit when my ankle wasn't right in certain ways. You know, he said he was resting me. Was, was he using that as an excuse to say that I was that poor that he's, you know, doing that? But, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't about that. There was a, a method in what he'd done. Um, I played the next game and so it went but it was just that moment just playing at Old Trafford at that moment it was just you know it was wall to wall people maybe more in there than what there maybe should have been it was the bit that going in everything that leads up in a match day at Old Trafford is something that only the only people can explain it are players of that when when you but it's not the same anymore as what it used to be we used to drive in in our own cars all coming at different, all arriving around about midday, from prior to midday, I should say, and it was a different way, and every player felt that there was all that, you know, you you be there to sign something, and you think, great, can you sign that, Paul? And all of a sudden, Giggsy would turn up and say, sorry, Giggsy's come. I'm not interested, Paul. I want Giggsy. It was all that kind of stuff going on. Now they're arriving a team bus. People can't get people can't get near them anymore. So. That has gone now, Wayne, to be honest, but yeah. I think that's the worst it has been for me about being left out of game because I wasn't used to it. I was always used always knew I was always gonna be playing Fulham, QPR, you know, come to United, started started a regular first you know, played and we played mm. in my first game, my first season. And that's the way it'd always always been. And so yeah. it's hard to hard to understand. If I was in today's game, I couldn't I couldn't deal with it just been the way it's done today, I'd want to play in every single
3: game. Yeah, on your birthday as well, that's... that's Yeah. Um, The boss, uh, showing no sentiment with that one. He did play in the next one, though, and uh, we we were talking about it, I think, off air last week, and came off just before the the final whistle, really, for for Nicky, but... But played a part in the equaliser against all What a goal that was. um, And it was one of those... Mark, only Mark could score really, wasn't it? You know, like on the stretch, scoring like that. What was it like watching that, sitting down as a player, you know, thinking like we're in the last minute, we've not really got a chance here, Alden were defending really well. It was going to take a goal like that to get us um, into the replay.
0: Well, um, well, it was more about mine about the fact I'd come off, it'd just a just negative forks when you come off, I come off and it, it was, you feel bad because... There's a reason why he's made the substitution.
3: Yeah.
0: You, you know, you've got your own reasons. He's got his. But my side of it is going to be different to his side of it, I'm sure. Or well, I know. Um, but when it did go in, it, even I jumped. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't, you know, it was just one of those moments because you just, you just look in, you look at the negative side of it. Sparky doesn't score that goal. And, we, you know, we could have, you know, on the verge of a double... And then, but we, we lose out in a double, getting to the final because Oldham Athletic
3: yeah.
0: stopped us. It's something you wouldn't want to be talking about 10, 20, 30 years down the line, would you? Why United didn't win a double in 93, 94? Because, yeah. because, no, trying my best not to be disrespectful, but the mighty Oldham Athletic stopped you doing it. It just, you, you just think, you're thinking about, you know, about that really. It's like me thinking about if we'd been beaten by Cameroon that time. Yeah. The, you know, that, what, you know that's, that's the kind of thing, that's where it was. So for Sparky to go and do that, and like you said, only only Mark Hughes can do that. You know, there was Sparky, was that in the first season when we played Liverpool at home? 2-0 down and Sparky scores equaliser, is that right?
3: First Premier League season, yeah. yeah. First well, Premier
0: League season, Sparky scores equaliser. So um, it's, it's just one of those things that he does, he scores <clears throat> the most awkward goals which. No one else could do. To be perfectly honest, he had this incredible technique, Sparky. Which I don't think your people will ever see again. Yeah. Just the way he played. The volume that, was yeah, out, out of his world. Yeah, that someone of his stature and everything about him. He, you know, Sparky was a bruiser without a shadow of a doubt. But he had so much ability. It was incredible what he could do. What he could do with football or what he, you know and what he wanted to do. And if it didn't work out. You know, he's one of them, he'd want to go and do it again because he knew he could do it. And sometimes you, you see the boss with Sparky and the boss would get the hump with him because he's doing this and doing that. And then he'll pull out an incredible, like a chip or something. Can you remember the game when we played Charlton Athletic at home? Another another game where I had to come off because Peter Schmeichel got sent
3: off. Yeah, that was early and, in the cup room. Yeah.
0: yeah. And Sparky ended up having to play central midfield. Yeah. And he was pinging balls about, like Glenn Hoddle. And I mean, when I'm saying pinging balls out, they were like passing pass with progression, I call it. It wasn't just balls out just into space for someone to go, oh, he was he was incredible what he was doing. He absolute, And he loved it, Sparky. And you just suddenly saw what a great all-round player he was, Mark Hughes. It wasn't just a centre forward who every set and a half wanted to kick to death. He,
1: yeah.
0: And he wanted to kick them to death as well. He was an incredible footballer. And more importantly, he was an incredible goal
3: scorer. Yeah, he, um, he did when he went to Chelsea and then Southampton. He played a lot of his last games in midfield, didn't he? So, and yeah, yeah he, you're never going to um, find him going missing on a, on a football pitch. That was no. for sure. He said, he said a great word there, awkward, because that's what he was like. He, he really was an awkward player um, and scored a lot of awkward goals. Um, yeah. But you also had that the thing about Hughes. I know he's he's because of way you know he went on to manage City and he had a, a bit of a rival with with Fergie afterwards. But he also had a, a good respect with Fergie, and I think when he was he went to QPR after um, after City and Fergie still sent him a few players down. I think Fabio went down to Hughes on loan. Mm-hmm. So you had um, that kind of thing. A lot of people. Kind of turned against Mark Hughes. They, you know, they think like you know, like Peter Schmeichel went to see, him, and then Paul Ince went to Liverpool, and they look at them and say, "Oh, well, they sort of chose a different club." I still look at Hughes with tremendous respect, and um, sort of the that feeling that I get from him was that he was, you know, perhaps not in a even a way that Cantona didn't have. Like he had this sort of sense of occasion and timing, like the rescue acts. Like Cantona was like the, the main event. But Mark was like the the rescue act. Whenever you needed something, he'd be there, like almost like destiny sort of put him there. Well, and no better occasion than than the olden one. Um,
0: I think Sparky, Sparky's one of those players that you could guarantee whenever it was a big game, you'd always put your money on something Mark Hughes to perform. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's what he was all about. And that's what, the, that's what the boss would have said about him. He always says to the boss, one of the wor- words he always used to use is uh, <clears> that... He always expected his big players to perform in big games. He said, That's the reason why they're at Manchester United. And that's the reason why I brought them to Manchester United to play in big games because United had big games.
3: Yeah. And the, the replay, sorry, sorry the, the replay, you you wiped the floor with all them, um, got to the final. Um, but the biggest thing about that was well, I don't think a lot of people realise when they look back, you can look back at it, and the history records will tell you what happened and on what day. What would have happened if you know, it didn't, if you lost against Oldham, you would have gone to Leeds that Wednesday. You were talking about playing Liverpool after the cup final. Mm. You would have gone to Leeds on that Wednesday and Cantona would have still been suspended and you would have all been knackered from Sunday, a little bit annoyed that, you know, they lost in that way as well. So um, that game against Leeds was rescheduled to later in the season and Hughes was unbelievable that night. That was one game, Kanchelskis and Giggs both scored, but we won 2-0 and, and Hughes played one of his best ever games. I think he set both of the goals up, he was just, that was one of those games where he said like, you know, he just, it was like the beacon. And you know a lot of players would shrink under that, in, in that kind of atmosphere. He just sort of like reveled in it, didn't he? He was like, you know, give me that occasion and give me the give me the hostility. It makes me bigger. It's, it's such a strange thing. Yeah. Um, I loved him. I loved Spock. He was he was brilliant. One of my favourites. When, um, well, how can he not be when he's scoring goals like that? You know, it's um, an incredible thing. Um, yeah, I I guess then the last thing to do is this is our pre-season warm-up. Um, stick stick our necks out, not for the title, um, or or predictions on what we're going to do, but see what we think would be a, a successful season for ollie you know as, as progression you know last season i think we could both agree that it was progression we got to second we got to a cup final um things seemed to be more settled as a club than they were well certainly at the start of the season they seemed uh, very much in disarray i remember after the spurs game i'm pretty sure i said it to you a couple of times that i'm pretty certain it was a matter of when And not if Oli was going to get the sack. I didn't think he he was going to see the season out. But he is. He did. And he's going to be in the the hot seat for this season because he's got the new contracts and everything like that. Um, As far as progression for you, um, what do you think? If you look at the end of the season, next May, what do you think is going to represent a good season for Oli? And United, for that matter. A
0: good season for Oli is to win a trophy. He has to, I think there's too many people now who are throwing it out now, they're judging him on winning a the trophy. They're not about about being a good manager and managing, you know, managing Manchester United. It's about winning a trophy. That's how everything works in today. You're rubbish if you don't win a trophy. Even though there's so few trophies to win in football, people expect you to go and win one. They they, they won't take in take in how difficult it is to go and do that when there's other things in between there's other things to play for, they just take it, win a trophy. So until he does that, then it will shut it will shut down a few of them, quite a few of them. But for me guaranteed, yes, he has to finish he has to be in the Champions League again. But it's about not just waiting to the final six games, it's that cementing it a lot better and showing more consistency and when the big games come up, like they did to Sheffield United at home last last season and when everton and when you get yourself a two go advantage you don't give those games away especially to everton you don't do that at home you can't yeah. do it and those they're the ones that matter making the right substitutions at the right times which everyone will always talk about but you just look at things and i I personally think to finish second in the league is not a bad thing F- to finish no lower than second i think I would I would question that to be perfectly honest. I think they should they should finish no sec no lower than second in, this, yeah. in the Premier League. Don't ask me who's going to finish top, but I'm just looking at something. You set a stall out, and I think to finish no second. I think they finished second last season, maybe more by default by the way the league was. But I think this is a season where you have to really judge Oli and what he does now, because yeah. everyone's there to say something to him and. And a lot of players now. It'd be interesting to judge a lot, certain players, the ones who've done well. See how they handle this. How does Fernandez handle this challenge now? Of playing in front of the crowd when he knows that he's been adored from TV sets. Now they're going to be there. Are they? Are they actually going? To, are they actually going to love him and get him in that lot? In put him there with try and put him there with Eric again because they're seeing him live and seeing. He can perform when it really matters in front of them, and in and in the big games.
3: Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. I think um, with Chelsea um, strengthening and Liverpool, obviously, I'm um, going to have players back and and, and strengthening their team as well. That uh, finishing second, whilst not looking like his progression, I, I think like accumulating more points, like you said, not throwing the silly points away, and and sort of. Whether or not it represents a title race, depending on what City do, um, is is one thing. But I think staying in front of um, Chelsea and Liverpool will be a big thing, because obviously they had mixed seasons last time around, with Chelsea won the Champions League, they were on high, and we could say that we're in the mix of that club, so to finish second would be um, a thing. But yeah, I'm with you winning a trophy, and with it being United... Probably an FA Cup rather than a League Cup because I can imagine that if you get to the end of the season and all these won a League Cup and finish third, people will say that we've we've gone backwards. Um, mm. but you know, we'll see, we'll see. Um, everything's always moving. Um, to finish on this, uh, this week, Ben Allen did um, just make a comment, want to um, make sure that we get to that. And um, do you think Eric and Mark are giving the respect that they're due as a combination, albeit unorthodox? This is a really good question, really, because. I, I would agree with that, and I think everyone knows, like, I, I wrote a book on Candon Harville, he's one of my favourite he was my favourite ever player um, but obviously he needed you lot around him he needed that stage to make him better as well, and, you know, Mark was obviously the perfect partner for him, more than anyone at United, um, after, you know, like I know he played with Scholes and he played with Andy Cole, but I think he never played as well as he, you know the the vibrancy and the intellect between him and, and Mark was just perfect for each other, wasn't it? They, I mean, and, and to be fair, Cantona improved Hughes as well, because for that two years um, where they were playing together um, regularly, um, 92 to, to 94, Hughes probably played the best that he ever played. You never saw a 30-year-old player improve <laughs> before, but um, they, they certainly did, didn't they? they were a great combination.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we mentioned this last time, we t- I, I brought it up about those two playing together, but... but... Everything you said there is is absolutely correct because he was Sparky. Both were good foils for each other. Sparky was the strength and the focal point. Eric came in and Eric enjoyed the fact that he had someone to play off. Somebody who would who could take things away from him. And Sparky's movement made a difference for Eric. And Eric found he could run around and make those runs around Sparky. And I think it was just mutual respect in the end. And even when you are It was out, you know, socially in certain ways. Those two had a way of, like, having conversations, you know. With Eric, it was... Eric really, really, you know, he understood. Delivering was a bit difficult in certain ways, especially when you're you're a mixture of people from um, all over the country at that given time. You know, you had Big Pete and you had Andre, that side of it. But players from all, all over the country... Um, so it was difficult for Eric to understand, but the one thing is they got on that pitch together and they respected each other. um, There was no one worried about hogging the limelight or anything like that. They both helped each other. Both of them were great team players and everyone knows with Sparky's, if you knock Sparky a bad ball, he would try and at least make it into an average ball, whatever, but he would let you know it. and, And he would let you know that. While Eric would give you the eyes if you knocked him a bad ball. But if Eric knocked you a bad ball, he couldn't apologise quick enough. And you'd be yeah. virtually saying to Eric, just get on with the game. But please don't try and make a tackle. Don't <laughs> win it back. But I was fortunate enough to play with those two. And in what Ben's saying, were they given enough credit? No, they wasn't. They don't really get talked about. There should be something out. There should be a montages of yeah. the things that those two done together. Not always leading to goals, but it's just the movement, the way, you know, Sparky, you know, you could use Sparky and Sparky were playing triangles and play one-twos around. And there should be something like that showing what those two done together with their movement in, you know, in that bit. But Sparky had been missing that in the previous, previous season. He, he was, he, you know, he thoroughly enjoyed that season and then the season after playing with her, You could see it. And as you said, Sparky improved. He improved because he had someone closer to him who 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 improvised as well as sparky wanted to he enjoyed that I don't and Eric that's what Eric one of the things Eric brought he brought improvisation into things where before people goes he's made a silly run but when you got somebody who somehow managed to bend his foot in all different directions to put a ball into an area where other people couldn't then it wasn't just improvised or imp- improvisation then mm-hmm. that was just it was it was something maybe sometimes more than that, but where before someone would make a run it was called a bad run because of the fact that the person couldn't deliver and that's not about that person Eric was a maverick, wasn't he really in the way he was and it's just, yeah. you know it's as simple as that and there's only so few so few of them in certain times in football and at that time Eric was that player and mm-hmm. someone was talking about me the other day and I'm <clears throat> I turn around you talk to this. And he mentioned players. I said, well, I mentioned about Eric. And I said, you take Eric in his homeland. He's nowhere near the player that so he, he was in England. He's, you know, he's adored in England. Even for fans who are not Manchester United. They, mm. they just love watching Eric play. People turned up at games because they wanted to see Eric play at their local grounds. You know, in France, people didn't really, you know, oh, you know he was a problem. So like that. While in England, people still talk about him now. You sit there, we see him in adverts, and most people see
3: him in adverts, they relate to why he's doing that advert. Yeah, do you know? Um, while we're talking about Eric, it's a good thing. Um, Paul and I are both on. We Sky released a podcast last week, Sky Sports. I'll drop it in the description actually. Um, that Paul and I were both on last year. Talk about Eric, um, is it actually a really good production? What they did with that? Um, so yeah, check out not just Paul and I, there's um, different people, Haley McQueen's on there. Uh, Julian Lawrence, um, French journalist as well. Barney from from Red News. Um, I think Andy Cole is also in on the podcast as well. So, so some few people Let's talk about that. Um, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned it perfectly. Um, yeah. That's the thing with those kind of partnerships in those days. They used to have, like they used to say, little and large were the, the way to go. You know, you'd have Chapman at Leeds um, before with cannon and he just wasn't, the, the fit wasn't right when you watched them play because Cannonball wouldn't run onto balls like and Chapman would flick them on and he, I think Chapman was learning that you have to actually bring him into the play um but that's what I uh, made Hughes so because he was so different that's probably why you know they were so different in terms of the kind of you know like you'd find a number 10 who would run onto a ball but kind wasn't that player and that's why they were so um so good for that team um but yeah and Great indulgence for me, as always, to go back into that. And I'll I'll probably talk about it next week as well. Um, I, I make no apologies for doing so. I'm, I'm allowed to have some nostalgic indulgence from time to time. Um, that is it for this week, guys. We will be back next week to talk about the Leeds game. Um, hopefully, i talk about a win. Remember, TOTD10 uh, for a 10% discount with Classic Football Shirts. Uh, please leave us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on, on the audio version. And please like and subscribe if you are watching on YouTube. Um, We will be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening
2: and watching. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network Talk Sport
0: powered by Fans